what a blessing it is to be back at Faith. Uh, I see some new faces, uh, and I am, unfortunately, your pastor's crazy brother-in-law. Uh, I think we all, most families generally have that crazy brother-in-law. So I'm giving a shout-out today. I got a text from Tiffany. She said she's praying for you, she loves you all, and uh, to give them a shout-out. So hello. But anyways, in all seriousness, hey, uh, it's exciting to see God prosper you. Uh, I was here that first Sunday after Derek was ordained, and what God has done to, in this church is extraordinary. Many times you don't see that when you're sitting in the same pew every Sunday, but let me just tell you, let me come to town and just tell you that what you have here is very, very special. Uh, actually, Brother Smith, thank you for stealing my sermon. Uh, I was praying all for all week for direction, and he said it about in five minutes, and then Brother York, your, you know, your testimony, man, I tell you that, uh, man, both of those brothers got my text. You know, I don't know if church, virtual church membership is a thing. Is virtual church membership a thing? Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say if it is, if the deacons would open the doors, I would be glad to join. Um, this is a good place to be. Anyways, cut out this. God is blessing this church. And when God blesses a church like this, when a church is going the right direction, when a church is prayed up, fired up, and a pleasing to the Lord, you can absolutely expect... But the devil's going to do everything he can to stop it. And it happens very quickly. Things in churches happen very quickly. We still serve a God that has all power. The, the problem is, is many times if we stop reaching out, we start looking within, and the next thing you know, we're fighting within. It happens. History repeats itself many, many times. Do not let it happen here. Jesus has given us two commands. Love Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our spirit, everything you've got. And the second, love one another. The problem is, is if we get wrapped in ourselves, well, we do neither. So my encouragement to you this morning is just to steadfast. Therefore, my dearly beloved, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Every prayer you pray, every song you sing, every time you stand to testify, every time you go out in this community and you tell somebody about the saving grace, about the gospel, about how that God the Father loved this world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, it is not in vain. Will they always hear you? No. But it's our duty to go about gossiping about the gospel, talking to people, talking to those we come into contact with about just how, God, how good God has been towards us. I have no direct word for faith this morning, but I have a burden upon my heart. And, and I think you would agree. Actually, I know many of you well enough to know we as missionary Baptist churches, Churches still standing for the truth of the gospel. We are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to convict sinners. And let me ask you a question. Are you concerned this morning, those of us that have been saved, are we concerned that so many times the lost come in amongst us, hear the gospel, and never experience conviction? That's a problem. That troubles me. That someone can continue to hear the gospel and harden their hearts. It is not God's fault. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We many times need 
this let's call prophylactic medicine. Uh, many of you know I'm in medicine, and sometimes there's medicines you take or you have in the medicine cabinet for when those times come, you know what to do. I tell you, growing up a preacher's kid, and you've seen it. Just when the church starts going good, Satan is going to attack. So here is what we do. Turn your Bibles to me to Psalm 85. Psalm 85. Historically, revival has never come in times of prosperity. Why? It's because in the heart, God's people humbly bow before him. Call upon him until he answers. I want you to understand this morning that prayer is not passive. Many times we think, well, I'm praying for it. And a revival would sound like a good idea. Let's sit back. We'll pray about it. Prayer is active. Prayer is storming the throne room in heaven boldly by faith, going to our mediator, the only intercessor, Jesus Christ, who is seated there, right there on the right hand of the Father. He is alive today. Very fundamental of our faith, and if you missed Sunday school, you missed a good lesson, that he saved us. Why? To turn from dead works and to live for, to serve, and to praise the living God. He's alive, and for that reason, we must be doing something. Here at Faith Church, you are, but never back up from the importance of active prayer. To stay humble and hungry upon your knees. There are situations in our lives, and we don't know what to do about it. I assure you this morning, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we do not fear. You can read Psalm 46, and sometimes it feels like the earth is crumbling. Sometimes it feels like, God, what are you doing? And sometimes you can pray, and you will feel, God, are you even there? I assure you this morning that just as it is sunny outside, there are days when there are clouds that might get in the way, but that sun is still there. In our lives, we will be hit. We will deal with problems and many times, we'll see dark clouds. We'll start questioning things. And if we are not careful, we can very quickly lose our love for the Lord. Hey, if it happened at the church of Ephesus that had John, Paul, Paul, Peter as a pastor, it can happen here. My encouragement to you is don't let it. Don't let it. Stay humble before his throne. Jonathan Edwards faced a time much like ours. You go back and we many times read the Great Awakening and Jonathan Edwards preaching that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, or George Whitfield preaching, You must be born again. Folks, we have to keep preaching and boldly proclaiming those same truths that have brought about revival. There are churches around us that are tempted particularly during COVID, to water down the gospel, to cut the corners off the edges, to preach a gospel that soothes man's needs, just to gain a crowd. That is absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. God help us in this day of adversity to stand upon the truth of the gospel. You must be born again. That's not up for debate. Jonathan Edwards, living in that time, faced unconverted church membership. There was a lethargy. 
There was an apathy amongst the people who came to church. There was a cultural Christianity still very present in the South. We call it the, the, the belt buckle. Why? Because everybody goes to church. Here's the deal. You can go to church, but that don't make you a Christian. You can park your car in the garage, that don't make you a car. I know sometimes kittens are born in baskets, but that does not make them biscuits. You need to be born again. We need to hear that and to keep that on our forefront. Jonathan Edwards wrote this. He said, when God has something very great for his church, it is his will. And I believe this morning God has something even greater for you at faith. I enjoyed your homecoming services. It was a blessing to recount all the ways that God's blessed you. But you know what? Here's the deal. What about today? What about our need for tomorrow? Edward said, when God has something very special planned for his church, it is his will that it first be preceded by the prayers, the extraordinary prayers of his people. Here's the thing. We pray, don't we? We pray. We teach our children to pray. But how many times is that intensity missing? The book of James says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth what? Much. Here's the problem. Effectual means we pray for results. It means we lay our needs, our supplications, all those things we stand in need of before the throne of God, and we do not let up until he answers. We may not get it, but we do not quit praying. We pray and we do not grow weary in prayer. Why? Because if we grow weary in prayer, then we have spent the, the effort, but haven't really connected. Let me say it this way. How many times are you praying and it doesn't get any higher than your shoelaces? You ever do that? I'm being honest. The effectual, praying for results. The effectual, fervent. What does fervent mean? It means intense. Are there times in your life where you have been closer to the Lord than you are right now? Where your love and your passion and your enthusiasm for Christ have been stronger than it is right now? You say, well, how would I know? God help any of us to save people to be bored with Jesus. Amen? Huh? I mean, if I was here talking about myself, I would encourage you to fall asleep. I'm not the, quite, the caliper of, of, of your pastor. But here this morning, we've met to uplift the name of Jesus. And this happens so many times that we forget that we are here for two main purposes. Number one, to exalt Jesus Christ. And number two, to reach a lost and dying world. And if it were not for those two purposes, we'd go ahead and go to heaven. There, the singing will be better. Us preachers will be out of a job. But we will bow before the feet of the one who saved us. And that would be much better than anything we could ever see at church. Until that time, we must stay in effort, praying, doing all we can to reach those with the gospel. In this past week, how many times have you talked to somebody who did not know the Lord about their soul? Come on, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Ouch. Actually, I got to Friday. You know, so many people, they, they want to hear something about the Lord. And here's what I was able to share with this, with this, with this other salesperson. Other salesperson. I am so glad that when the Lord saved me June 23rd, 1994, that he gave me the inseparable graces of both repentance and faith. In other words, 
I had to come to the point of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I wanted to be at fellowship. I wanted to be saved under Brother Perigo. I wanted this. I wanted that. I had to get to the point to understand that I had offended God's holy law. I had offended his holiness. That I had no right or reason that either he saved me or I would die desperately lost. When I got to that point of a broken heart and contrite spirit, he saved me. God, I can't do this. Will you? And you trust and you surrender to him and he does it. But that faith that he gave you when he saved you, it does not leave you. And I'm thankful for that. Because if I had to keep it, I would lose it quicker than I do my car keys. I would do it. I would lose it. But you can't. Why? Thank God for the Sunday school lesson. Because once you're born, you can't be unborn. It's his faith that saves us. It's never in and of ourselves. We have experienced the mighty power of omnipotent God. And that's what keeps us going, even when it is hard. But if we give up in prayer, then, well, we forget that. So how do we experience the power? We started this morning in Sunday school with the devotion about the all-powerful God. And my question this morning is, how do we as his church today experience his power? It's a very good devotional. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And we read this. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Supplication is a word we don't use much anymore. It means an all-out intense effort for a specific need. We, as churches, maybe I can say you as faith church, you need to realize that you need revival. And sometimes it comes from unusual means. Going through some stuff this year, and you know, pick on my grandma. I got to be in church with grandma two times this week. Woo-hoo. That's a blessing as a preacher's kid because we never lived close to any. I mean, maybe a couple years. But anyways, my point is this. You know, here I went through this trial, and my grandma, you know, she goes, well, that's good that you're going to church, but are you really loving the Lord, or are you just going through the motions? I'm like, okay, ouch. Okay, grandma, ouch. I just got checked. Why? Because it was me who needed revival. Sometimes you can do the right things, And you can stand faithfully for the right truths. And you can make the right move, the right action. But it affects you wrongly. It can affect you wrongly. There are situations that come up in the work of the church that must be handled. But you've got to do it in love. Paul said, speak the truth in love. And many of us will kind of gravitate one way or another. right? My sister, she's more loving than me. And everybody said amen. I've always been heavier on the truth side. It is what it is. It's, you know. But as a church, we come together collectively as God's people, despite all of our different personalities, to have both of those bases met. Because if we ever lose sight of the fact that what we do is because we love Jesus for his glory, for him, well, then we're already completely off. It happens in the way that we reach out with compassion towards people. We got to reach out. Sometimes you just need to pick up the phone and check on somebody. Hey, how you doing? But how many times do we not do that? We don't do that. And yet Jesus said we're supposed to love each other. It is by our love for one another that this world will know that we are what? His disciples. So I encourage you to love one another. And that all starts in prayer.
So here, there's, it says these all continue with one accord. That means they had one mind, one goal. There's so many things that the devil will distract us from. Many times it's a good thing. Many things it's not bad things. It's how we handle it. Anything that distracts us from our relationship with Christ is of the world. John said, love not the world, nor the things of the world. For anything that I love the world, the love of the Father is what? Not in him. James said this, if you are, when you love the world, a lover of the world is a what? Enemy of God? But how many times, if we are not careful, do we tend to go the wrong direction? We got to be careful. Acts 1.4. 114. These all came with one accord, one mind, one intention, loving one another, giving themselves what they had, what they believed God. They, they prayed and they believed that God would hear them, that God would answer them, that God would do for them what they cannot do themselves. I love my cousin, Scott. This is going to be a great evangelist for you guys, but I guarantee you he would agree. He can't bring a revival in his pocket. You have a wonderful pastor, but I guarantee you it ain't Derek. Right? Amen. It's the power of God that decides to use him. I'm convinced Daddy always said growing up, when God's in the bush, he ain't going to bush with boo. Well, this year, it's me that's the bush. Pray for me. I'm going to be helping in victory's revival. And I'm like, whoa, not only do I have to work with my dad, but man, it's been a hard year. And the point is this. God gives us wake-up calls. Wake-up calls. Because we can so easily go through the motions. Question is, is will we listen and will we go the right direction? This early church had power because they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. They prayed intently that God would send the power, and God did. God answered on the day of Pentecost. God answered Jonathan Edwards with a great awakening in the rest of history. We serve a God this morning that does not change. Therefore, if we would pray like they prayed, we can experience his power today. So how do we do that? Well, we need to find his will and then do it. How many times do we not pray because we don't want to know what God says? Ever do that? Yeah. God, I'm going to do this, and I'm not really going to ask you about it because I know you would probably say this, so I'm just not going to. I'll give you a case in point, man. I don't know if some of you preachers have ever felt this way, but, man, you go through a storm, and you're like, man, I, I, I quit. I take this Bible, and I quit. I absolutely give up, and I quit. If this is the way it's going to be, where God's people are apathetic and lethargic, God, if your Holy Spirit is not going to convict it, if it's not going to bless your word, then just get somebody else to do it. Ever been there? And then it's like Jeremiah, isn't it? The word of God's alive in your heart. It's a fire in your bones and you grow weary of holding it in. And it's not just like that way for preachers. If you've been saved, the most natural thing you can do is go tell somebody what God's done for you. Isn't it? You remember when you were first, when you first experienced his power? When he first saved you, didn't you want to go tell somebody else? Hey, I got a friend, I got a co-worker, I got a family member that does not know the Lord, and you went and you wanted to go tell him. Or how about this? Right after you got saved, the first time you prayed after being saved. Or how about this? The way you prayed when you were being, when, when the Lord saved you. That full surrender, that repentance, that belief. Man, if we prayed like that all the time, we would have the power of God in our congregations. 
If you prayed the way you prayed when the Lord saved you, you would have a powerful, effective, fervent prayer life. So what happens when we get distracted? Things of the world, cares of the world. Brother Brown asked for a proverb. So here's my proverb. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If we diagram that sentence, there's a way that leads to the ways of death. Question, what is it? If there's one way that seems right, but it leads to the ways of death, okay, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. It's Frank Sinatra. It's Frank Sinatra. So we talk about, you know the song, I Did It My Way? Well, if you do church your way instead of God's way, those will be the ways of death. It will be death by a million different paper cuts. It's never generally one thing. It's a whole bunch of stuff that gets swept under the rug, and then it just, and therefore you know it. So what I'm saying is this. We need to lay hold of God in prayer and supplication, find his will, and be faithful in continuing to do it. The Lord said this. We need to be busy building up the church. If you don't invite people to revival, well, it would be unlikely for people to come. More importantly, we know that God is still powerful to save, and yet if people don't hear, then how will they believe? Because faith cometh by hearing. What I'm trying to encourage you to do is get after it and telling people about Jesus. Pointing people to Jesus. Inviting to revival. You say, well, they may not come. They may not, but sure enough, they won't come if you don't invite them. Right? I mean, sometimes you're doing good in a revival if the church members show up. You know? Hey, so let's pray that God would help us. There will be wonderful power, and it will remain with you when you are in one accord, when you are one-minded, when there's not that bickering and fighting, and I don't know that it is. I don't. I haven't gotten the inside scoop. I don't know any, okay? My point is this, man. I've lived through some stuff this year that if God helps me, I would like others to use that as an example. My sister did that growing up. I got a bunch of whoopings, and she didn't. You know why? Because she saw the way it went for me, and she didn't do it. You know, she's smart. <laughs> I'm not going that way. Hey, you open up, and you look around, and you study church history, and does it not happen like that? It absolutely does. Anybody know that Shubal Stearns? We run our history through them. You know what? That church ain't there no more. I'll tell you what. If we ever lay up in prayer, we can expect defeat. It's happened time and again. And God help us to ever get, we never get to the point that we say, well, not here. You know why? Because what happens? Take heed lest you fall. Just stay after it. What happens? Well, there's seven churches in Asia. Five had serious issues, did they not? But every single one of them could have turned to the Lord, repented, and experienced strengthening. They could have. Oh, Ephesus lost that first love. They could have had it back. You know what? If you keep having these checks, then you don't have to worry about ever completely losing it because you know you're continuously thinking, Lord, help me to continue to increase in my love for you. You pray like that, and he will do it. 
does not matter what you live through, does not matter what kind of callous comes upon your heart, because we all can callous our hearts. It's the world we're living in. But I tell you this, if you will humbly pray, Lord, help me to love you the way I should. God, remove that hardness in my own heart. God, help me to call upon you like I once did. He will do it. He will do it. Because he's still an all-powerful God. What happens? Pride, worldliness, weariness. All of that steals our joy to the point where we do not witness, we do not pray, we do not worship the way we're supposed to, and then we lose our power. We oftentimes say no and wonder, what up with that? Here's what I mean. The king has commanded that we go out to the highways and to the hedges and to compel them to what? To come in. Did he not? We know that. Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. But oftentimes we sit and say, I would rather not, and we don't. I want to quote a spiritual grandpa for me, mainly because at 80, however old he is, he can get away with it a lot easier than a younger guy. Okay, But living in Bowling Green, gotten very close to Brother Moran. I love him very much, and I heard him say this. If the church does not reach out, now I know we can say we've had COVID, and we have. But I mean this, it starts with one member telling another member where they can find bread, or another person where to find bread, right? That's evangelism. One beggar telling another beggar where they can go find bread. We don't have to worry about so much these big gatherings. Those are nice. But what can you do this week? Who can you go reach this week? Who can you go talk to this week? <coughs> Anyways, my man said this. If the church does not reach out, the old people will die, and the church at this location won't be here. He's right. He's seen a lot more than I have. He's exactly right. We're a city on a hill. We're salt. We're light. But if we're not careful, we grow cold, complacent, and lethargic. We grow weary. Here's the thing. Don't grow weary. You know why? Because so many times we can look and serve the Lord like, man, that is a chore. I have to get up and go to church today. Anybody think that way? All right. We do. Man, I got to go to church today. All right. Oh, I got to get leaks hanging. Oh, I got to do preliminaries. I never liked preliminaries, by the way. But it's never a chore. It's always a joy. Why? Because we know him. We're here to represent him. We are here because he went to the cross and died for our sins. So God, give me something to do for you. We grow weary, but that can all come back. There's been a great falling away. And it's sad to say, but there has. Go back to some of those churches. It's good to be with Jeremy. You go back to some of those churches. There has been a great falling away. Churches that were once powerful, that were very effective, that were once full, and now don't let it happen here. The love of many has grown cold. In one accord, you as a church must look to Christ. If we recognize we needed medicine, we recognize we were sick. Wouldn't we take that medicine? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, faith is a wonderful church. God has blessed you. But you've got to understand, you still need that medicine of prayer, of his word, and worshiping together. He still must be the forefront. He still must be the center of attraction here at Faith Church. All right. Revival is kind of like smoking barbecue. You know why you talk about smoking barbecue? Well, not pastoring, I had to find something to do to occupy my mind with. You know, and, and so I thought, well, I got some Memphis roots. I'm saved in Memphis. 
I'll, I'll go back to him trying to figure out how to smoke barbecue. And he said, well, where are you going with this? Bar, a smoker is like this. If you have a long smoke, then if you don't continuously fuel it, if you don't continuously put fuel in the fire, what happens? It goes out. Okay? Second, you can have a hot coal, and if it's together with hot coals, it'll be hot. But if that hot coal drops out, it'll cool off, and the fire will go out. Now, I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm saying this. There are church members that we need to reach out to so that they do not fall off. We need to lovingly reach out to them. Why? Because if they are in this lost world on their own, that fire, that love, that zeal, it just won't be there. That's where we come together. We come together like charcoals to build a fence of prayer, to build a wall of prayer. Why? Because I'm telling you, Satan would love to mess you up in any way he can. As a church, we come together. We bring our prayer requests. And Jesus said this, bear ye one another's burdens, and in so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. That's what he's commanded us to do, to lay it out and pray together. Barbecue. I was thinking also about this. You know, you, you can't control that wind, but you can create a conducive environment for the cooking. What I mean is this. God himself must come down rend the heavens, and be upon you. A man cannot work that up. He can't produce it. But i tell you what we can do. We as saved people can all repent and ask the Lord to help us. We can all look and ask, ask David. Ask David what happens when you pray, search me, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way, the path of, that's everlasting. Ask him when you get a down and you... It starts with each one of us getting clean before the Lord. It's that hunger, that understanding of where we are and how far we've fallen. How do you get it back? You don't until you recognize you need it. Then you pour yourself out to God and He will give it. All right. Psalm 85. Here's some fuel. Here's some charcoal. This verse strengthens us. It helps us. To, to pray for reviving. And it's very familiar. It's a very familiar passage. And I'm sure you've heard it before and, and know it. And I don't know how I'm doing on time. I quit looking at time, but it's okay. You've heard the same sermon about three times. Um, God strengthens and he restores. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all of their sins. If we have nothing else, we can thank God for saving us. Thank Him for doing that. Thank Him and praise Him. That He turned back His anger. Though His anger was upon us, though His wrath was upon us, that moment we looked to the cross and we turned from our sins and we trusted Him completely and He saved us, we experienced God's power, the power that's of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God is salvation. May it ever be, and it always will. What I'm saying is this, is as saved people, we need to go back to the cross. Letting it go back to Calvary. I'm not talking about getting saved again, but going back to that closeness, that point of surrender, that point of submission to Him. Going back to the cross. 
Lord, thou has been favorable. God has been good and he's been faithful and he has been just poured out his blessings in the past. We need him right now and he will do so in the future. You go through some stuff and you know, wow, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what to do. But I know this, God help me through that. He'll be with me and help me through this. Lord, thou has been faithful. So uh, pause and think about that. God's been good. Covered all their sin. Merciful, faithful in the past. We need him now, we need him tomorrow. We don't, isn't it great? We don't deserve his mercy or his grace. He loves us despite ourselves. There wasn't nothing in me to love, but he did anyways. He's good like that. We don't deserve it, yet he loves us anyways. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself in the fierceness of thy anger. Does God get angry at his people? Does he get mad at our apathy, our lethargy? Does he get mad? Does he, does he have anger still? No, we're not going, we'll never be lost again. But we can experience his displeasure. You can get outside the will of God for your life, and he'll discipline you. And it won't be pleasant. It's not. But it's a blessing. It is a huge blessing. You say, how? Because I wouldn't hurt like that if he didn't love me. Get to that point. God, I thank you for disciplining me. Why? Because it proves that you love me and what I have is real. We need some more of that. In the end, all that matters is being right with God through his son. Turn us, O God, of our salvation. Cause that anger to cease. When God's work stalls, not always, but generally speaking, it's because of why? Because of our sin, right? God doesn't forsake us. Yet, how many times do we turn from him? A lot. The sad part about it is, is we tend not to admit it. Well, if you're going to experience his reviving power, you must understand that and, and do something about that. Times we don't do what we should do and we don't do what we should do and the next thing you know we've lost the joy that we once had ask David what happens return to me O God the joy of thy salvation why? because it's his it's his faith that will keep you strong it is his love that will keep you going will thou be angry forever rhetorical questions will thou be angry forever will thou draw out thine anger to all generations will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee Best memory a couple years ago of that revival. <laughs> Sinners seeking the Lord. And man, I tell you what, I, 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 I long to see more and more of that. But I remember looking up at my grandparents. God, you were faithful in their day. Can we not see that in our day? God, the power that they once had, here we are. We're repenting. We're turning from our sin. God, we're, we're falling at your feet. Can you show us the power? The church once had. We got to see some good stuff together. I'm encouraging you this morning to keep going. Why? Because I believe God has even more for y'all. I'm sorry, I'm up north. You guys. It's better. You guys. You guys. I got God's got more for you guys. Confess it, repent it, ask him to fix it. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Save people save people need read. We don't practice that whole rededicating our lives. We don't necessarily do that, but it is true. 
There are times when we just need to rededicate ourselves to God. God, I've messed up. God, I've let work. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's other pressures come between me and you. God, will you give me that fire once again to serve you? He'll do it. He will. He'll absolutely do it. Ask David. Verse 8. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. That's a question. You know why we don't have the same power that we once did? I mean, God didn't change. Because we don't listen. Many times it starts with verse 8. I will listen to what the Lord will say to me. Well, what does he say? Has his promise from the beginning not begun this? Yes, we can't cause a revival, but God has laid out specific requirements. And he hasn't been ambiguous about it. He hasn't muddled the waters. He's been very clear. Thank goodness, because I have a hard enough time breaking into your pastor's internet connection. But anyways, I was, they said I could, but anyways, it's not secret. God said this. He said, if my people, and I know many of you can quote it with me, can't you? If my people, thank God I'm one of his people this morning, amen? Thank God for that. If my people, which are called by my name, will do what? Humble themselves. Man, that's hard, isn't it? Hey, it's hard for me. Humble yourselves. You know what? This is what we must do as a church. We must humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he might exalt us in due time. It's so much easier to say, you know, it's the brother and sister so-and-so or this situation here and, and this situation there. And all the while neglecting our own hearts. Why? Well, it may not be what so-and-so's doing, but if it's offending God, it's just as bad. I will listen. Humble yourselves. We want revive and we'll have to humble ourselves. We got to seek his face. How, how, how do we do that? Well, we want to know what his will is. We want to know what his word is. We have that burning desire to realize that things aren't the way they could be. Things aren't the way they should be. So God, what is it? And it requires all of us as God's people getting hold of the Lord and asking him to show us that seeking his face that we might find it. And the only way we can expect an answer is by faith belief he's going to tell us. And then by faith obeying to whatever it is that he says. We can't expect God to answer us if we have already decided not to do it. You ever tried that? I'm not really going to do it any, anyway, God, but I was just wondering if you could tell me. It don't work. It doesn't work. I will listen. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Do, do saved people have wicked ways? Saved people have wicked ways? Yeah, unfortunately. And here's one of the most. That when you consider all that God has done for you, all of his blessings, he saved us, he's given us so much. That there still exists in our flesh this desire to turn away from him. Sometimes just momentarily. Peter faced that. When he kept his eyes upon the Lord, he walked upon the water by faith. But then when he saw that the seas were contrary, well, 
is a different story, and it starts sinking. We must continue to laser focus and look upon the Lord and ask Him to help us. We can't get frustrated with God not blessing if we don't do what He says. Pray fervently. Well, let's wrap this up. I hope this has been somewhat of a help. Question. Kind of started what we talked about in the devotion for Sunday school. Why is it that we don't see the power that God has the way we should? His power doesn't diminish, amen? His ear does not grow heavy. His arm is not short that it cannot save. What separates us from him? Our sins. But mainly this, the reason why we don't see the outpouring of God's power the way we once did, the way that we one day can, is simply prayerlessness. It's prayerlessness. It's carelessness. Examine history. It happens. Surely salvation is nigh them that fear him. God isn't willing any should perish. God can save, as the pastor is saying, God can save anyone, anywhere, anytime. People can be saved despite the conditions of the church. However, when we have more intense desire, isn't it a whole lot easier? Why? If the convicting power of God is amongst his people, they see it. And it's just a big difference. Hey, go, go. You know, some of you have been to places and churches where there wasn't the Spirit of God. You know how hard it is to open up and preach the gospel in a place that may not even know anything about the Spirit of God being in the church? What I'm saying is this. Thank God for what you've got here. Thank God. Thank God you are a people that will do what the Bible says because the Bible says to do it. That's huge. Do what the Bible says because the Bible said to do it. Why? Because Jesus said so. It wasn't just a few weeks ago, and I, I do this. Maybe should, I want to. I want to give you a compliment. I hope you receive it right. There was on Facebook several months ago video of the church making things right with one another. I don't know what the situation it was. I don't even know what the need know what the situation is. I don't even know anything about it. But I tell you what: when you have a church that will forgive one another and love one another, despite many different types of personalities and different conflicts and this or that or other. That is a blessing from God. That's where it starts. Don't ever lose that. He says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Where did they do that? Where did mercy and truth go together? Where did righteousness and peace go together? Was it not at the cross? It was at the cross where God's wrath over man's sin intersected with God's love for mankind. In the person of Jesus Christ, His wrath and His love intersecting at one spot at the cross in one person, His Son, Jesus Christ. We just need more Jesus, don't we? More of Jesus, less of us. He must decrease, we must decrease, He must increase. It's all about making much of Jesus Christ. Last point. If you ever get to the point where your love for the Lord isn't the way that it should be, 
either individually as a church member or collectively as a church, retrace your steps. Retrace your steps. Go back. See God's faithfulness in your life. See God's providence. There's so many things that He shields us from that we don't even know anything about. We probably won't know anything about till heaven. And they'd be like, see, you questioned it, but I was working this and I was working that. <laughs> I, it was like footprints. You know that poem? I never quit carrying you. I was with you the entire time. Retrace your steps. Well, here at the end of this song, it says, Truth shall spring out of the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set up us in the way of his steps. When Jesus revives his people, his righteousness will be evident in their lives. Many times we don't have the power because we lack the holiness that's required. In other words, it's only his power working through us, right? Well, God won't use dirty utensils, you know? You got to clean those dishes before you use them. So it is with us. In what ways can we get saved? Not saved. In what ways can we get cleaner and closer to God so that his power might use us even more? Finally, in conclusion, pray for four things. Number one, a return to his word. That's what made the early church so successful. They devoted themselves to what? The apostles. Teaching, doctrine, fellowship, breaking your bread. There it is. You want to be a successful church? Dedicate and devote yourself to that right there. There's your recipe. Number two is this. In returning to his word, how many times do we hear, well, I think this. I think this. It's never what I think. It's always, thus saith the Lord. You get kind of tired sometimes. Well, I think it, this verse says this to me. The verse doesn't say this to you that it doesn't say somebody else. The verse just says what it says. It may be different in different situations, but the Bible is sufficient in and of itself for us to see God's power in our day. We need to get back to that. Doing what Jesus what the Bible tells us to do. It's his church. If any, the church does anything, it's Christ who builds his church. It's God's work. It's his power. It's his revealing. We need his anointing, or we'll accomplish nothing. And that will only happen to the degree that we're close, to the degree that we're willing to obey him. Close relationship with God, prayer, three, confessing sin. So many times we stop short of revival because for a full-out revival, it is an unpleasant thing. Why? Situations, different things have to be dealt with that are sometimes painful. But if you do it in the right way, and if you put Christ first, and you follow him in his word, he's promised to bless us. He's promised to bless us. Not hearing it, just to be hearing it, but to receive it and obey it. So how do we have that power that we started today? We've seen some of that, have we not? In the singing and the testifying. But we need more of it. For that, we must want it and pray for it. So I just encourage you, stay steadfast. Always abound in the work of the Lord. What you do. And the Lord is never in vain.
May God bless you. I know it's been somewhat of a different message, but it's what God gave me. And I thank Him for confirming. Sometimes you doubt, God, is that really what you want? It was evident in the preliminaries, Sunday school lesson, the devotional. The question wasn't, was that the message from the Lord today? The question is, is did you hear it? And are you willing to do it? May God bless you.